podcast. My name is Ryan Furman, and I am a certified plant-based nutritionist. The website is mainlyplants.com. Uh, you can find me on social media at mainlyplants, and you can contact me through all those places or email me ryan at mainlyplants.com. Uh, some quick housekeeping. Uh, the website has been totally redone. Go check it out because you will see that I'm now offering free 15-minute consultations. So for those of you who are not sure, um, you know, if you if you if you want to, you know, sign up for a plan or sign up for any of the a la carte options or have some have have some hesitations, uh, we can talk. And it's 100% free. There's no hidden charges or anything. I'm not going to surprise you with the fee at the end. We'll talk for 15 minutes. Um, and we'll go over your questions and uh, and any concerns that you have, and we can set you up on a plan if you decide to. If not, whatever. That's fine. Also. You'll also see that I have some recommended uh, coaching packages as well as some a la carte options on there. So really tailored for everybody, any price range, uh, we can get you on track, get you set up for success, for better health, get you feeling good. So go check that out, mainlyplants.com. And now moving forward. So this week I want to talk about a couple things. Um, the first stemming from some news that I heard earlier this week that uh, that, that, of course, frustrated me, as most health news does. Although this wasn't necessarily health news, but let me, let me kind of break it down for you. So the, the MTA, the Mass Transit Authority, has announced plans to, to test certain engineers and, um, and uh, drivers of railway cars, you know, subways, commuter trains, that kind of thing for sleep apnea. And what they're doing is they're taking people who have a BMI, a body mass index higher than 30, meaning of overweight people, and they're gonna do a sleep study. And if they do in fact have sleep apnea, they're gonna get them set up with a CPAP machine. And a CPAP machine, what that does is you sleep with this mask on, um, this mask that's connected to a hose which is connected to a machine next to the bed, and it stops you from having sleep apnea during the night. Now, what is sleep apnea? Uh, so sleep apnea is when your airways are obstructive, obstructed when you're sleeping. So it causes you to stop breathing when you're sleeping. And the, the airway, you know, your, your, your um, uh, trachea becomes blocked and it really reduces the amount of air that can reach your lungs. And when something like this happens, you you know, a telltale marker is that you're going to snore really loudly. You also might make choking noises when you're sleeping. So just to clarify, just because you snore does not mean that you have sleep apnea. But a telltale sign of sleep apnea is heavy snoring. It's also being overweight. So what happens is your brain and your body become oxygen deprived and you might wake up. And in fact, if you have sleep apnea, you will wake up. You'll wake up repeatedly throughout the night. Uh, ranging from if you have mild sleep apnea, you might just wake up a few times. And if you have severe sleep apnea, you can wake up several hundred times. So if you think about that, if you, if you sleep for eight hours a night, several hundred times, I mean, that's, that's you know, 20 times at least per hour, which is a lot. So like I said, in, in most cases, it causes this temporary pause in breathing. And it's caused by the tissue in the back of your throat collapsing a bit. So the muscles 
um, in, the, in the upper airway, when you're sleeping, relax. And if you sleep on your back, what will happen is, is just gravity can cause your tongue to fall back, which also narrows the airway, which in turn, like I said, reduces the amount of air that will reach your lungs and therefore go into your body, brain, all that kind of stuff. And the narrow, this narrowed airway, like I said, will cause snoring because it, it uh, vibrates the tissue in the back of your throat. So everything, basically, if you think about it, if you think about you know, laying down in bed when you sleep, everything becomes relaxed in your throat, in the back of your, back of your throat and your mouth. And when this happens, gravity takes over, it kind of just, everything falls. And think of, that, think of it as like a canyon with a boulder coming into it. Everything just kind of gets compressed and crammed down and snoring is that, that vibration of the air trying to get past that obstruction. And when it can't, you'll choke and you'll wake up, even though you don't necessarily know that you're waking up. So sleep apnea, what does it do? Well, when you wake up the next morning, even though you might have gotten a lot of sleep that night in terms of hours, you're still going to feel tired and groggy and unrefreshed. And during the next day, you're going to feel fatigued. You might have difficulty concentrating and you might actually unintentionally fall asleep. And the reason for this is because your body is waking up so many times throughout the night that you you actually, just because you've been laying down and, and quote-unquote sleeping or thinking that you've been sleeping, you actually haven't been. And there are other factors, you know, aside from just falling asleep the next day, there are other factors that, that come into play, other, other results of sleep apnea. And these are long-term consequences, including high blood pressure, heart disease, stroke, um, prediabetes and diabetes, and depression. And a lot of people who have sleep apnea don't know that they have sleep apnea. So kind of getting back to our news story, you know, I wanted to go over what sleep apnea is, is these people are, these train conductors and engineers are overweight and they're falling asleep while they're driving these trains, while they're running these trains. And you may have remembered or noticed that there that there's been this increase in rail car um, accidents. There were as recently, I think there was one late last year. I think I believe it was New Jersey, um, and it was devastating. And they found out that that driver has sleep apnea. And there was another one before him, not too long ago. It didn't really make the news, but they also found that he had sleep apnea. And what they're noticing is that. These, these conductors, these train engineers, don't remember what happened leading up to the crash. And there was this common thread of that through all these accidents, through all these engineers telling the same story. And they noticed that, that these people might have sleep apnea. In fact, they did. So the MTA is now doing this thing to see uh, if, to test their, their engineers who, who are you know, overweight, because that's the key marker of having sleep apnea, um, so they can get fitted with the CPAP so that they don't crash the, these cars. But you might know where I'm going with this. And so, yes, obviously, if somebody has sleep apnea, we should treat it. However, long term, you know, these people are overweight. And like I said, sleep apnea causes all these other issues, including high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, and depression. And these are all things that can be cured and treated with proper diet. And 
you know, yes, they might they might use this CPAP machine and get better sleep and therefore not endanger the lives of the hundreds of people that they trolley around every day. But these engineers and conductors are still going to wake up and they're still going to be fat and they're still going to be inactive and they're still going to be feeling crappy because they're fat. They might not be, you know, necessarily tired in a, in a sense that they're falling asleep at the wheel, but they're not going to be the kind of, they're not going to feel the way that they wish they could. And I was thinking, you know, first of all, how much is going to cost, whether it be through insurance or through the taxpayer money or, or whatever it is, but still money's going, money's being funneled from somewhere. How much is it going to cost to, number one, do these sleep studies, which cost a lot of money, and then fit these engineers with these CPAP machines? And CPAP machines range between, I believe the range is between $500 and $800, or the average is around $800. So that's a lot of money. And like I said, they're still going to be fat and overweight. And they could still possibly have these long-term diseases that I talked about. Whereas if you demanded that these people who have a BMI over 30 simply, number one, take nutrition classes and change their diet so that they can lose the weight and, and not have sleep apnea and reduce the, the long-term effects, well, then it's it's an even bigger win, right? So let's break it down. So one of these engineers, let's call him Charlie. Charlie has a BMI higher than 30. So they put Charlie into a sleep study. That's cost number one. Then they find out that Charlie does in fact have sleep apnea. So they, they fit him with a CPAP machine. That's cost number two. Charlie now has to sleep on his back with this Darth Vader mask, uh, you know, on his face while he's sleeping. So the next morning he wakes up and he's not falling asleep at work. That's a benefit, but he's still overweight. That's cost number three and still could possibly get these diseases in the future, future cost number four and still unhappy cost number five. So the only one benefit, I guess two is that the other benefit is the, the, the safety of, of these people who are riding as trains, but a lot of costs, not that many benefits. But if you just educate on nutrition, and again, I don't think these people, you know, these people aren't necessarily adverse to eating healthy. A lot of people just aren't educated. They just don't know, you know. So if you educate, demand that he takes classes, um, demand that he loses body fat, then he's going to feel better. He's not going to have the the, uh, sleep apnea after a certain point of time. He's not going to feel shitty when he wakes up. He's not going to be falling asleep and endangering people's lives that he's driving around all day. And he's going to greatly reduce his risk of long-term serious health complications. So there's a lot of benefits with little cost, literal or no cost. So my proposition is to, is to retro, not retrofit, but to get these people CPAP machines, okay? Because they're going to do this anyway. To get these people CPAP machines, but also demand that they take nutrition classes and demand that by a certain date, which is a, you know, a reasonable thought out date, they have to have their BMI under a certain percentage, you know, call it 30, in order to keep their job. And this isn't you know, fat discrimination because it is, it is directly tied to the safety and security of the passengers. So it's not like you know, firing somebody from a desk job who's fat it has nothing to do with their job. This directly affects the people that he 
whose lives he's taking into his hands. So, um, you know, I just wish I wish we were doing more. I wish that that it, we weren't so so short sighted and putting these these band aids on bullet holes. You know, there's got to be a long term solution, and the long term solution is coaching these people up on diet and exercise and, and just overall health and wellness to a point where they're going to actually feel good because nobody wants to sleep with a machine on their face while they're sleeping. I'm sure that their significant others aren't going to like it. And then, like I said, you know, say these people have a family. Say these people have kids. They, they're, not, they're still going to be overweight. They're still not going to have the energy to run around with their kids. They're still going to develop these long-term diseases. So, you know, I'm not sure if any of you have any ideas or suggestions how to implement this or recommend to the MTA or any governing bodies about uh, the importance of nutrition education. Please let me know. Uh, I'll be working on it as well, sending out letters and whatnot. But uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. If you guys have any thoughts, if you agree with me, disagree, uh, anything like that. Um, you know, there is this argument that, that these people, these engineers and conductors are sitting all day. And, you know, eating just shitty food and they live a very sedentary lifestyle. Well, diet is 80% of what your body looks like. So if you eat healthy, despite how much, how little you move during the day, if you sit at a desk all day, you're not going to be fat. You know, I, I worked at a, a major tech company here in Arizona for a year. And I woke up at 5.30 every day, went to work till 3.30, where I sat in a cubicle all day no exercise, came home, um, you know, took my dog out for a little bit, but uh, my exercise was was nil. I was just too tired all the time by waking up at 5.30 every day, and, and I'm not the type of person who can go to sleep early. But I ate healthy, so I didn't get fat, um, and I don't have sleep apnea because of it. So, you know, really think about what you're putting into your body, you know, what, what you're doing, what you're eating, not only affects yourself, but it affects your loved ones. Your loved ones. It affects your friends. And as with these these conductors and engineers, it can greatly affect the people who you interact with or are responsible for daily. And not only that, but it's going to affect those people's families and friends down the line also, and their bosses. It's a is a ripple effect. You know, it's what you're putting into your body is more than just you. You know, I. I I've talked to people where, you know, they they might get frustrated and say, well, it's my body. I can put whatever I want into it. I say, okay, well, yes, that, that is true. First and foremost, it's your body. It's your choice. However, you need to think about you have a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, children, friends who want you around and want you around in a healthy capacity. It's more than just you. You can't be selfish about it. So open your mind a little bit. Think about it. Let me know what you guys' thoughts are. I want to shift gears a little bit, uh, a little bit, and talk about nutrition as a whole. I talked about it when the podcast was first getting started, but I like to refresh you guys on it because it is essential and key to to understanding your your diet, what you're putting into your body. So a little recap, okay? Nutrition. What do I what do I mean when I say nutrition? Well. Nutrition is the biologically holistic process, and holistic, not with an H, but with a WH, meaning the the sum of all the parts. The biologically holistic process by which elements of, of food and water are used by the body. It is the highly integrated reactions and events of countless food chemicals working together 
in a symphony, okay? And that's very important to understand. It's the countless food chemicals working together in a symphony. This is why a varied whole food plant-based diet is so important. This is why you can't just eat one thing and get your protein from one source or get your get your B vitamins from one source. Is because the only way to know what our bodies need at any given point is to be constantly hooked up to a machine that just gives us a data reading. And even that would be kind of hard. So the only way to be sure that we're filling all of our nutrient slots in our body, for, for lack of a better term, is to eat a varied diet to make sure that we're getting all those different types of, of fats, of carbohydrates, of amino acids, of proteins, all that kind of stuff, all those vitamins and minerals inter, interacting with each other. There are so many different types of proteins. There are so many different types of amino acids and, and fats. And the way that they react with each other, our body is dependent upon that. So the only way to make sure that we're getting all the, the infinite amounts of reactions is to make sure we're eating a lot of different kinds of stuff. That's why, again, it's so important to eat a varied diet. And nutrition obviously assists in creating and restoring health. So nutrition is broken down into two categories, and you might have heard about these. You have your micronutrients and you have your macronutrients. Now, everybody knows what micronutrients are. They are vitamins and minerals. And vitamins are essential elements, you know, in tiny amounts that your body absorbs. And your minerals are inorganic elements that maintain pH balance and provide support structures and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, your iron, your zinc, uh, vitamin A, C, D, B, uh, all that kind of stuff, those are micronutrients. And everybody associates vegetables with micronutrients because they, they flood your body with micronutrients. The other side of the coin are your macros, your macronutrients. So when you hear people talking about macros, this is what they're talking about. That is your protein, fats, and carbs. Fats and carbs are used primarily for energy. Your protein is what creates and repairs your body tissue, enzymes, um, it regulates your hormones, all that kind of good stuff. So everybody knows, you know, when you work out, you need protein because when you work out and you're making tiny tears in your muscle, in your muscles, the protein comes in, rebuilds it stronger. That's why your muscles grow and you get big and strong. If you're you know, deficient in protein, which everybody thinks plant-based people are, however, it's exactly the opposite. Um, if you're deficient in protein, you know, you're, you're, you're going to lose muscle mass because there's nothing to help support and maintain that structure. So there's this there's this myth that being 100% plant-based, you're going to have a protein deficiency. And that's simply not true. It is completely erroneous. I don't even count my macros anymore because of this. By eating a, a varied whole food plant-based diet, you will exceed, usually, 70% of, of vegans exceed their daily requirement of protein. It's so incredibly easy, whether it be through lentils, quinoa, tofu, tempeh, beans, Everything that you eat has some amount of protein in it. I mean, even if you you know pick up a carrot, it's got protein in it. Everything has protein in it. If you think about it, you know there's always people who who talk about how they need their steak or their chicken or whatever it is, their their animal products for protein. But if you think about it, where where does their protein get their protein from? You know, their protein is is from plants. It, the world's largest land animals are all. 100% plant-based, rhinos, cows, 
elephants, giraffes, hippopotamus, and gorillas. They are all 100% plant. They eat zero animal products. So, you know, you eat a piece of steak and cows are gigantic and very muscular. Think about a bull. Well, you're getting your protein from that, but where does it get its protein from? It just eats plants. You know, and you look at a, a gorilla, right? Let's talk about a gorilla because a gorilla is a primate. It's not that different from us or even a chimpanzee. They are so muscular. And you tell me if you've ever seen one eat a piece of meat. And it uh, it's, it's frustrating because... That's the only excuse that, that, that people who consume animal products have. Aside from, well, it just tastes good. You know, that's the lazy excuse. I'm talking about a technical excuse. Um, it's, it's not an excuse because you don't need it. They think they do, and it's a lack of education. And it will give them diseases later on. And they'll live sick for longer because of it. They'll just die slower. But I don't want to get too far off of it because it's going to infuriate me. But the the old adage of having one to two grams of protein per every pound that you weigh is just a fallacy. It was made up to sell more protein shakes and sell more protein powder. The, the truth is that if you have that much, number one, if you have that much, you're going to just shit it out. That's why bodybuilders and people who work out and drink a lot of protein shakes get these things called the protein shits. It's, and they're disgusting. It's because... The protein's just flowing. Your body can't absorb that much. It's just going through them. So they're literally wasting their money. But also, having that much protein, that much animal protein, can lead to cancer, diabetes, other serious forms of of illness. On the contrary, animal protein, you can have as much as you want, and there's zero negative to it. So... Like I said, there are virtually no nutrients in animal-based foods that are not better provided by plants. While animal proteins cause disorder and disease, plant proteins actually help reverse it. And more than just the plant proteins, but also the micronutrients all help fight and reverse disease. If you have diabetes or if you have... Uh, fatty liver disease, even if you have cancer, studies have shown that a plant, uh, a fully 100% plant-based diet will slow the progression, stop the progression, and even in some cases reverse it. You can heal yourself through what you eat. And you know my feelings on on uh, Western medicine. If you, if you don't, go back and listen to the podcast. But The truth is that we just don't need to consume animal-based foods to get any of those nutrients that I talk about, any of those macros or micronutrients. We just don't need it. It's just not necessary. There is zero evidence that we need to consume any animal-based food to get our supply of good nutrition. Zero. Show me one report. I would love to debate it. Save for B12. Now, B12, I do have a podcast on this. Look back. It is the only nutrient that we cannot get through eating plant-based foods. However, that's talking about whole foods. There are plant-based foods that are fortified with B12. 
uh, tempeh, there are some cereals, there are some uh, plant milks that are fortified with B12. The easiest option is just to get a supplement. A lot of you take vitamins anyway, and if you're living a whole food plant-based diet, a multivitamin really isn't necessary because you're getting all those micronutrients through your food. So instead of buying your, your multivitamin next month, instead buy B12 or buy a multivitamin with B12. And make sure that next to where it says B12 on the back of it, of the bottle, it says in, a, in, a, in um, what's it called? Parentheses, um, it says methyl, M-E-T-H-Y-L. And if it says cyna, C-Y-N-A, don't get that one. It's, it's uh, synthetically produced. Your body won't absorb it as well. Not as good for you. Get the methyl and then take that. That's all you need. Um, if you don't, if you need a good recommendation for a B12 or a multivitamin, go to my uh, go to mainlyplants.com. At the top, you'll see recommended products, and you can see there that they'll, I have what I recommend for B12 and uh, multivitamin. Now, if you would love, if you would like to provide me with evidence aside from B12 that we need to eat animal products, please send it over to my email or, or through the website or, or however you want to do it uh, because I would love to bring it up on the next podcast or any future podcast. But the truth is that there is zero study out there that, that show that we need that. The, what I want you to take away from this podcast, uh, the last half of this podcast, because the, the, the MTA thing is a different story, but what I want you to take away from this are a few things. Okay, so nutrition represents the combined activities of countless substances. So what that means is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Everything that you eat together is far more beneficial than if you have this for B vitamins and this for A vitamins and this for iron. You got to eat everything together. Everything, all those interactions are what keep you healthy. The other thing that I want you to remember is that your genes do not determine disease on their own. You might have a cancer gene somewhere in your body. However, it's not going to be turned on unless you let it be turned on. So if you eat a healthy whole food plant-based diet, those genes will not get turned on. And you will live a long, happy, healthy life. Now this is obviously talking about in general. Some shit might happen. You know, you might be exposed to something. You might, you know, work around noxious chemicals all day. But the, for the average person, the odds are that if you eat a healthy diet, you won't develop disease and disorder. And if you already have disease and disorder, a healthy diet will help reverse and cure it. So what are you waiting for? Any questions, comments, concerns, please contact me. The email is ryan at mainlyplants.com. That might be easier for some of you guys. Please go check out the website, mainlyplants.com. Take advantage of that free 15-minute consultation. And until next week, go eat a salad.